especially delighted to have our sister, Miss Joanne Greer, here. And she is going to come and share a word of testimony. Could I just say that there will be a basket at the door. And uh, if you want to contribute something to our sister's work in Liberia, uh, then uh, please feel free to do so. If, and I'm sure that many of you haven't really come prepared, uh, then please remember the work in prayer. And if the Lord puts it in our heart, then uh, we will leave the uh, offering available for a few weeks and we can add to it. And then we can, uh, of course, forward the money on in due process. Thank you, Joanne. Well, it's good to be here with you tonight um, and to be able to bring a report on the work in Liberia and tell you a little bit about what the Lord is doing there. Um, I appreciate the invitation to come to Karidaf and to be here with you tonight and the welcome here. I wanted to just read a few verses from Romans chapter 10, please. Romans chapter 10, um, just some very well-known verses, really, but I just want to us to remind ourselves of them tonight. So Romans chapter 10. And we'll just read from verse 13 down to 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And uh, that last verse, verse 17, sums up the work um, that I'm seeking to do in Liberia, that my colleague there, uh, Reverend Tacanio, is seeking to do. And it is the same work that you folks do here. Um, it's, a, it's the work of God. No matter what country we're in, it's true that when you're in a foreign country, on the foreign mission field, as we often call it, that sometimes things can look different. The challenges can be different, perhaps. Um, perhaps specific um, circumstances in the country you're working in um, present uh, different challenges and difficulties. But the work is, is still the same. It is to get God's word to people, uh, to men and women and children. And the, the message is the same, of course, and it is the word of God. Um, and tonight I hope to give you a little bit of an insight uh, through the report and also through the DVD that we'll watch uh, the video presentation a little later, uh, a bit of an insight into uh, how we are seeking to get God's word to people in Liberia, as well as also um, give you a, an insight into some of the challenges that are there and some of the, um, the unique challenges in Liberia. But first of all, just to introduce myself to you a little more, um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself and how the Lord saved me and has um, blessed me in my life. Um, I was born in Northern Ireland uh, in Oma. I was um, moved, I moved to the United States. If you might be able to tell by my accent, it's a bit of a mixture. I moved to the United States when I was two, and that was because my dad um, is a minister. He's a minister in Ballymena now, but um, he was called to a church in the United States uh, in 1983. And so, no, you all know my age, that's okay. Um, so we went there, and we were there for 17 years, and my dad pastored a church there in Newtown Square. It's now the Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. Uh, and, and so my growing up years were in North America, 
Um, and being in a, a pastor's family, a minister's home, um, the, the blessings that come with that were mine. Um, I'm one of six, so it was a, a big family, but my parents taught all of us faithfully. Uh, I didn't go out to a school. I was homeschooled, so my mom was teaching me at home. And so in uh, school, in home, in church, I, I had very faithful teaching all through my uh, young years and all through my life, really. Um, of the Word of God, and it, it was a, at a very young age that I first understood that I was a sinner. I can't remember when I first realized that, but I do remember at the age of five, um, sitting in our little schoolroom, and I was doing a reading lesson, and it was a, a Christian um, book that we were reading, and I remember, I don't remember what was actually on the page, but I remember being very convicted by what was written there, that I was a sinner and I needed to be saved, and I called on the Lord at that time at the age of five to save me. And as it says here in what we've read, um, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a promise from God. Um, and he did answer that prayer that day uh, and save my soul. Uh, through the next years, up and just to my very early teenage years, I don't remember much more really of my spiritual, um, I suppose, my, my spiritual walk. Um, perhaps that's just because it's a long time ago now. But I think especially at the age of 12, 13 uh, when I got to that age, I had begun to, to go away from God. I had begun to drift away, and I just was not making progress uh, in my life as I should have been in my walk with God. And it got to the point where when I was 14, I didn't even know if I was saved or not. I was really struggling with assurance of salvation, and I knew that I should be reading and praying every day, but when I tried to do that, it was just a, a routine it was an exercise, and I felt like my prayers were not going any farther than the ceiling. And of course, that was through no fault of the Lord. The problem was with me. It was because my heart was not right with the Lord at that time. Um, and I, I'm thankful that it was when I was 14 that the Lord drew me back to himself. Um, and it was through, uh, again, Scripture, the promises of Scripture, that he gave me assurance of salvation, um, knowing that it is Christ who's done the work of salvation, um, and that it is his work and it's his word that we depend on um, to be sure um, that we are right with him. And so it was at that age of 14 that I um, received that assurance. And it was from then, as I look back, it was from that point that I really started to, to make progress in uh, the things of God in my heart. Yes, I knew a lot about the Bible. I could quote verses. I had been in Sunday school. I'd been to all the meetings, of course, uh, being in a minister's family. Uh, we were taken along to everything. But... Uh, up to that point, I don't really remember much of it reaching my heart before that or meaning much to me. But after that, the Lord began to deal with me and, and lead me on. And in later teenage years, there were a lot of changes in my life. We all moved back as a family to Northern Ireland when I was 19. And that was a very big move. But I believe that it was in the, the will of God because it was when I when we moved back here that we began to I, I began to become more interested in missionary work. And the Lord just used even my own, um, where I was, my location, um, to, to uh, introduce me to missionaries. Because in North America, the, the churches there, the free churches, are few and far between. And many of our missionaries are not from there. They're from here, Northern Ireland. And so it would be here that they come to when they're um, on holidays or perhaps are furlough. Uh, and so when we moved back to Northern Ireland, that's when I began to really... Um, be exposed to our own missionaries and hear their reports and hear their testimonies and be challenged by that. And the Lord used that in my life um, to challenge me as to what I was doing for him. And I went through a period in my late teens, early 20s, 
um, of really beginning to seek God for his will for my life. I had finished school and was studying to be a nurse, and um, during those years in university here in Northern Ireland, um, the Lord really was dealing with me. And I was afraid at the beginning to yield myself to him because I was afraid he would ask me to do something I was not able to do. Um, but he, he dealt with that fear and really that excuse. And he, he showed me through his word, it says in Philippians, that it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he showed me that it is God who not only gives us the desire to do his will, because at that point I wanted to, to do God's will, but I was afraid I couldn't do it. And the Lord showed me he not only gives us the desire, and makes us want to do his will, but also gives us the power to do it. Um, and and I, I can stand here today and say that is true. He does do that. Um, he gives us the power to carry out what he asks us to do and the strength to do that. And uh, when I, uh, I don't have time to go into all the intervening details, but the Lord kept guiding. Um, and when I made that um, com- commitment, when I actually... Uh, got down one night and prayed and said, Lord, I will do what you want me to do, whatever it is. And at that point, I had no clue what it was. Um, but th- then the Lord really did, began to lead, did begin to lead me one step at a time. Um, and he led me into Bible college. He led me to visit um, several different mission fields. Again, that is more and more what I was being, uh, the Lord was leading me into and interesting me in, um, work in the foreign field. And I visited um, places like Spain and Kenya and the Philippines and even other countries, um, just perhaps even on holiday, but um, I was very interested in um, working in foreign lands. And finally, the Lord led me to Liberia. And I went to Liberia in March 2012, um, and that is where I've been since. And the Lord has been faithful, and he has um, given grace and strength, and he has um, fulfilled his promises up to this point, that he is with his people, and he leads, and he goes before us, um, and he does give us the power to do his will. Um, Now, the work in Liberia, when I went in 2012, it was still a very young work, and it still is a young work, really. It's still in the early days, the the pioneer stages of the work there. Um, But the Lord has been blessing, um, and I want to just now, in the last, in the remaining remaining of the meeting, just to give you a little bit of a report on the work there and what's going on. I don't know, of course, how much you all know about Liberia and what's the, the work of the, of the free church there, but um, I want to give you perhaps a little bit of an idea of the structure of the work and then in the DVD. Um, I trust that'll give you more of an insight into what's been, on, been going on the last three years. Um, some of you may remember hearing about the Ebola epidemic in West Africa that took place in 2014, 2015. Um, and during those, those months, um, more than 11,000 people died in Liberia and Sierra Leone and Guinea. And the Ebola virus um, really uh, took a great toll there at that time. During that period of that epidemic, I had to leave Liberia, also Mr. DeCanio. And so we were both, well, I was home here, and he was in North America. He's from North America. Um, and he also did some meetings here as well. And so um, we went back after that in May 2015. And so the video that you'll see later on picks up at that point and covers those last three years then since May 2015 up to the present um, and tells about what's been going on in the work, some of the blessings um, and the challenges that are there at the moment. Um, the work in Liberia started um, through a, a man who had, a Liberian man, a man who was a pastor, who had left Liberia during their civil war, which lasted for 14 years um, from 1989 to 2003. And this man, whose name was Chester, he fled the country at that time. 
Um, his life was in danger, like many other people, uh, most other people in Liberia, and he fled and ended up in the United States. And in probably, I think it was probably 2005, after the war had ended, but this Manchester was still in the States um, as an asylum seeker at that stage, um, he received a gospel tract from one of the men in the Malvern Free Presbyterian Church, and that was the first connection that the Free Church had with believers in Liberia. And the connection grew uh, from then on, and this man, Chester, who had been a pastor, asked some of our men in North America to go to Liberia and to help some of his friends back there who are pastors and who needed training and teaching. And so that was the first connection and the first link. Um, and since that time, um, men from North America uh, began to go to Liberia a couple times a year and to meet with pastors there and train them and teach them and help as they could. And the first of those trips was made in 2007. And the first time I visited Liberia was 2008, and I made four trips there, four short trips, uh, and then the Lord called me to go there, and I've been there since 2012. Uh, the, the work, uh, when, when we're working in Liberia, we're working with um, local believers. Now, they, there are no constituted congregations of the Free Church in Liberia yet. We are hoping and praying that that will happen in the future, but it probably will still be perhaps quite a bit down the line in the future. But there are two congregations we're working with at the moment, um, and they, there's local believers, and then there's a man in each who is acting really as assistant pastor, and the Reverend David Ticanio, who I mentioned, who's from North America, he's an ordained minister, and he is the man in charge on the ground in Liberia, and those uh, Liberian men work under him. Uh, and so that's the structure, really, of the mission work. Um, the, the work there is under the North American Mission Board, and they have the oversight of the work uh, because that's where the connection developed. Um, but I um, work under them out there in Liberia. And uh, we are located about, where I live is located about 25 miles outside of the capital city of Monrovia. Um, so the cap the, Liberia, in case you're not sure where it is, it's West Africa. If you left Northern Ireland and just went directly south, you would come to Liberia. It's the same time zone as us here. Uh, just a very different climate, very, very hot, very humid. Um, and we are about 25 miles outside of the capital city, which is Monrovia. Uh, one of the churches we work with is in a place called Painesville, and that is, again, a suburb of Monrovia. It's about a 30 to 40-minute drive uh, from where I live. Um, the mission board bought property um, in 2011 uh, for the purpose of building houses for missionaries, and so there are two houses not built, and I live in one of them. Mr. DeCanio lives in the other, and that's on a three-acre piece of property. Um, outside of Monrovia. And uh, so, so to, for me to get to Painesville, it's about a 30-minute drive, 40 minutes, and that's where I go most days to teach, mostly teaching the children. Um, and that really is my, my main work in Liberia, teaching the children and developing a children's work there. Uh, and the Lord has blessed in that. There are a lot of children in Liberia to be reached, and that is one of the great challenges. It's a very young population, um, partly because of the war, the Ebola epidemic, uh, there have been a lot of challenges and a lot of people have died in recent years um, in Liberia and also the life expectancy just because of health um, and per health care and per sanitation and a lot of diseases, the life expectancy is quite short. Um, it's only about 50s, 50, in the 50s for men and women. And so there's a young population, 44% um, of Liberians are under the age of 15. So 44%, almost half of Liberians are children. And so there's a, a lot of children and young people also, 60% of the population are under the age of 24. So a very, very young population and a great challenge for those who are working with children. 
Um, and so the children's work is a very important part of the work there. Um, Reverend Decanio, as I said, he's in charge of the, of the work on the ground. He uh, has, to, has the responsibility of keeping our NGO legal. We are in Liberia um, as an NGO, a non-governmental organization. That's our legal status in the country. Uh, we are a mission, but that's what we have to register as an NGO. And that means when we have that status, it means we can come in as missionaries uh, freely. We can get our registration, our residence permits and our work permits, and there are no restrictions there. And so to keep that status, that legal status, is very important. But it means an awful lot of paperwork and a lot of time spent in government offices and um, a lot of going to and fro and standing in lines and queues here and there um, to get all the different uh, permits and registrations that we need. Uh, and so do pray for Mr. DeCanio. It's a very, um, it's, it's not a part of the work that I think probably a lot of people at home think of when they think of missionaries. Uh, they probably don't think of people spending a lot, missionaries spending a lot of their time in the government offices doing this kind of paperwork, but it is very necessary. And without it, we couldn't remain in the country legally. And so pray for him as he deals with that. He also preaches in that Painesville church uh, that I mentioned, that congregation, um, on the Sundays in the midweek service. Um, there is a man, a Liberian man, Moses, who assists in some of the preaching. Uh, and then Mr. DeCanio also oversees the work of our Christian bookstore there. And uh, we have a Christian bookstore just next to the church in Painesville. And that is uh, an important part of the ministry also. One of the challenges in Liberia is that less than half of the population can read. And so less than half of adults can actually read, and that is a big challenge, as you can imagine, when we're trying to speak to people. As I said, our job is to get God's word to people, uh, to men and women. But if you think of how you do that here, probably a lot of you would give out a gospel tract, perhaps, um, and people would learn God's word. I'm sure you do this yourself, even, by reading, whether it's reading the Bible or reading other books, um, Christian books. But in Liberia, less than half of people can do that. Less than half of adults can read. And so that has been a challenge, but... There is half of the population who can read, and so the bookstore has been an important ministry there. Um, people do come and buy. We have books, we have Bibles, um, but also people come and just read and study there, people who perhaps don't have books of their own at home. Uh, and that's one of the, I suppose, one of the things that makes our bookstore unique because um, most there only are a few other bookstores in the country, but if you go into them and you start reading, a book, leafing through it, spending any time looking through a book, um, they'll be coming up, the people who work there, and asking you, are you planning to buy that book? And if you say no, they will be encouraging you to put it away and, and leave if you don't have the money to pay for it, uh, because they don't want you, I suppose, wearing out their books. Uh, and so when Mr. DeCanio first went to the country, he um, went onto some local radio stations and did some advertisements for our bookstore, and he, one of the things he said was, you're welcome to come and read. You don't have to buy the books. You can sit for hours and read. And people started doing that. They came to the bookstore and they said, is this the store where we don't have to buy anything? We can read. We can just sit down and use the books. And people have been doing that ever since. And university students, pastors, people from Bible colleges coming and using the books that are there. And that's, um, we're, we're very glad that they do that. But do pray for customers because if we don't have customers, we can't keep going as a store and then no one will be, will be able to benefit. So do pray for the work of that bookstore. The economy in Liberia is struggling. It has been struggling. It's getting worse. And so the bookstore has been affected by that. And so do keep um, that part of the ministry in prayer. And Mr. DeCanio also then runs our radio station. Uh, and again, in Liberia, due to that challenge I mentioned that less than half of people can read, Radio is a very important means of getting God's word to people. 86% um, of Liberians listen to radio. 
So again, almost the whole population listen to radio, whereas less than half of the population can read. And so that, I hope, gives you a bit of an idea of how important radio is. And uh, you may know that LTBS programs have been going out in Liberia for the last probably at least 10 years um, on a couple local radio stations. But we were praying that the Lord would open an even greater door for radio work um, for us. Um, and last beginning of, no, it's not last year anymore, 2017, the beginning of 2017, he did that. Uh, on the video that we'll show tonight, you'll see the, the story of how that all happened. But now we have our own radio station there. Um, so it's, it's not a matter anymore. We still put LTBS programs on a couple other stations or one other station at the minute, but we also have our own station where we have complete control over what is being broadcast. And so when I go at the door of the house that I'm living in, um, on the mission compound, just a couple hundred feet in front of me, there's a radio tar, and the, the station is right there on that mission property. And it has been a great encouragement. Do pray for it. Uh, the, the, the transmitter that we have um, is a 1,400-watt transmitter, and if you're like me, that probably won't mean much to you, but it means that the signal can go out. It broadcasts for about a radius of 20 to 30 miles, which covers most of the greater Monrovia area, the area of the capital city. And that population in Monrovia area is about 1 million. So that's our potential population. We don't know exactly how many are listening, but we do know people are listening. We know that, uh, we know that because a lot of people have visited the church there in Painesville um, after listening to the radio station, and others have phoned us and said we're listening and we're enjoying the programs. Um, and Moses, the, the assistant pastor there, he goes out one day a week, gives out these cards and tells people to listen to the station, listen to 92.5 tells him it's a new station, and he's found that a lot of people tell him, we've already listened, we've already, we are already listening, we've already heard about it. And so that's been really encouraging. Um, we have had challenges in the radio work. Obviously, just running it is a challenge. Um, we live far enough outside the, the capital that there is no mains electricity where we are, so we're on a generator. And so, of course, running the station means we have to fuel the generator. Um, we were um, running the station for, from 5 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night ever since we started, uh, so for 18 hours a day. But uh, we have been praying that the Lord would uh, send in enough money to run it 24-7 um, and to run the, the generator for that period of time. And uh, the Lord answered that prayer just in the last couple of months, and a supporter from the, the states offered to pay the excess fuel for those extra six hours, and so now we're running 24-7, and that has been a great encouragement. Um, we had another setback. Um, we were hit by lightning uh, a couple of months ago, so at the end of October, we had a, a severe lightning strike. We're living in a tropical climate, and we have a lot of thunderstorms and a lot of lightning around. And this is the second time now that, the, that the, we've been hit by lightning on the compound. Um, but at the end of October, there was a very severe strike. And we're thankful no one was injured. Uh, Mr. Decania was right in this radio station when it happened. And he said the, the PAR socket in the wall beside him just exploded. And pieces of plastic were flying across the room from the cover of the socket. That's how strong the, the, the voltage was coming through there. And there was a lot of damage done. Uh, more than, well... Five, between probably between five and ten thousand dollars worth of damage um, done to equipment, especially in the station, but other other things on the compound as well. We've gotten some of that repaired now, and there's some still to be repaired or replaced. Um, we were off the air for about three weeks after that happened, while we were trying to get the transmitter fixed and get things back up and running. 
Um, and we were encouraged even during that time because people were coming to the bookstore and saying, what happened to, our, to your station? And one man came by and he was very angry and he thought the government had taken us off the air and he said, I'm going down to the government office. I'm just coming, stopping by to tell you I'm on my way there now to tell them how dare they take you off, how dare they take this station off the air. I can't live without your station. And our, our guy in the bookstore, Martin, was able to calm him down and say, it wasn't the government, it was the lightning. Please don't go down there. Um, but it was encouraging just that he was upset, I suppose, um, and he missed the, the broadcast. So do pray for that radio work. It, is, it has been a, a great blessing and a, a great encouragement to have that and pray for the, the future of it, that the Lord will enable us to even expand that and strengthen even the signal. We are hoping to get a bigger transmitter in the future. Now that we're going 24 hours a day, we need a second transmitter as a backup and also um, we can't run the same transmitter all the time. You have to give it a rest now and again, and so we need two transmitters. And we're thankful again that a supporter from the States has offered to pay for a second transmitter. And, of course, there are always needs, and so do pray the Lord will continue to meet uh, needs for other pieces of equipment and things that even still have to be replaced from the lightning hit uh, and things like that. Um, as I mentioned the workers there, I've mentioned Mr. DeCanio, also pray for two young men called Nathan and Abraham. Uh, they are young men in the, Liber- in, the, in the Painesville Church who are helping with the children's work while I'm gone. I left Liberia in um, July of last year and went to North America for two months and then came home here to Northern Ireland and uh, I've been doing meetings in North America and here. And so I've been away from Liberia for a long time, really, um, especially with regard to the kids' work. And so do pray for these two young men. They're trying to keep things going while I'm gone. I'll be heading back at the beginning of March. Uh, And so pray for them as they um, keep working with the children. Pray also for a proposed youth council team. Um, The youth council is hoping to send a team uh, of young people to Liberia in end of July, beginning of August, to help out with their annual vacation Bible school. I'm very excited about that. Um, that there's people coming to help. We have this Bible school, this vacation Bible school every year. And most years we would have maybe 120 kids come. Um, and that, is the, that number is just because that's all we can fit into our, our church there, our room that we have. Uh, but two years ago, a team came from Balamina. And because I knew that there were going to be extra teachers and extra helpers, we decided to rent another building right beside our church. And so we would have two meetings. And we thought we'd maybe have about 200 children and when we went to give out the invitations, um, one of the Liberian guys said, he was warning me, he said, you know, Joanne, when you walk around giving out invitations, that's one white woman, all these, you know, we have maybe over 100 kids. He said, if there are 10 white people walking around, just out of curiosity, we're going to have 1,000 kids. Um, and I said, no, I'm sure that wouldn't happen. But the first day, we didn't have 1,000, but the first day we had 350 and we didn't have anywhere to put them, the extra. And so we had to send, we got about 200 packed into the two rooms, and we had to send the rest home. And uh, the next, that night, the men built a tent, and then the next day, they all came back. And the whole week, we had between 350 and 400 kids. And they were not being bussed in. They were just walking in from the area right around the church. And so we were really struck by how many kids. We already knew it, but it really showed us how many children are right there. Um, to be reached with the gospel, and so uh, last year, this, this past last yeah last summer, I keep forgetting we're now in 20, 2019. Um, we just had we had one young man who came to help from Kilkeel. We're very thankful for his help, but we just couldn't have the same number of kids, and so we had to reduce the numbers last year again to 120. And so I'm very excited about this team. Pray that young people will sign up. Um, there are a few already. 
um, who have said they want to come, but pray that others will um, come. And if there's anyone here who's interested, um, I've been told I can mention that the details are on the Facebook Youth Council site, or you can contact um, the Youth Council president or someone on the the committee, if anyone's interested in that. Um, but do pray that young people will come and will be willing to go and help, um, especially those who have some experience in children's work and can come and teach and, and help in the meetings. Uh, and pray then also for, when you're praying for helpers and, and the, that youth council team, pray for others to come. Pray for others to come and help us. There's a great need for other workers. Um, I mentioned at the beginning that there are two churches uh, that we work with, two congregations. One is Painesville. And the reason I haven't mentioned the other one is because we hardly ever get to it. It's about a six-hour drive away from where we are, and it's in a place called River Cess. And because of the distance and the poor roads, it's very difficult for us to make the trip there. And, and so that congregation, in many ways, I know they feel isolated um, because we can't get there much um, to spend time with them, to, to work with them and teach. Um, but do pray that in the future the Lord will raise up others to go there. Uh, we have taken a flight there a couple of times recently, and that's helped. It's just one hour each way by airplane. Um, and we've taken some of the painful people with us uh, the second time. It was a, a, an adventure for them because most of them had never been in an airplane before, but it also was an encouragement for them to go and to be with their, their brethren there in Riverses. So pray for that work in Riverses. Pray the Lord would even call someone there in the future. Um, but just in general, pray for helpers, other workers in the work there. Um, the, the, the children's work, even the radio work, other, all these aspects, the, the Liberia is open for the gospel. It is open for missionaries coming in, um, and we pray the Lord will bring others to come and to help in the work. The, the verses that I read here, um, as I mentioned, verse 13 tells us how people are saved. It is those who call upon the name of the Lord. And I trust you've been praying that the Lord will save people in Liberia. But when you're praying that, don't forget how the Lord does that. He, he tells us here very clearly how he has planned to save people. Um, and it says in verse 14 that it is through a preacher. And the Lord has planned, this is his ordained way of saving souls, that they will hear his word through the preaching of God's word. And, and it, we, we can't go beyond what God has said, but we can't stop short of what God has said either. And so when you're praying for souls to be saved in Liberia, don't forget to pray for preachers and teachers to go and to preach the word of God, um, to be sent to preach God's word so that people will hear and that then they will believe and they will call and be saved. And I, I thank you for your prayers. I thank you for your support. Um, for any who have supported me personally, uh, perhaps through the covenant scheme or through offerings or um, financially, uh, perhaps supported the work in Liberia or any special projects that have been going on the last number of years, but especially for your prayers, I do thank you for that. And I ask you to continue to pray and to take this work upon your heart and ask the Lord to bless it and bless us and, and save souls there and build up believers and do a great uh, thing there for his name, for his glory. Thank you. Well, we do thank Sister Joanne for sharing this word of testimony and bringing us up to date in relation to Liberia. <clears throat> I just want to leave a little thought with you and then we close the meeting. I was thinking of the words as he was speaking there in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 29, but this I say, brethren, the time is short. And of course we're thinking about time because time has now changed for us. We're in 2019. And could I just say to you tonight, just to remind all of us that if you're here tonight and you're not saved, it's time to be saved. To recognize you're a sinner, 
that you have a precious soul, that Jesus Christ is the only Savior of sinners, and your need is to repent and to believe the gospel. It's time to be saved. And the big question is tonight that we can ask individually, am I saved? Have I been born again? Was there a day and time when I received Christ as my personal Lord and Savior? And of course, it's also time to serve. Isn't it great to hear that Liberia in West Africa is open for the gospel? And uh, a big question then comes to us individually, what are we going to do for God in 2019? It's good that we're saved, but remember we're saved to serve. Think of the portion that I read from the Gospel of Luke, even about the colt or the uh, colt of the ass. The Lord have need of thee. And surely that's what the Lord would say to us individually. And if we come to the Lord and said, Lord, what do you want me to do for you in 2019? Yes, the Lord would want us to be a faithful worshiper. Yes, the Lord would want us to be involved in his work. But surely there's a little more that that each of us can do. And um, that's a question that comes. It's time to serve. Why? Because time is short. The Bible tells us, Uh, The night cometh when no man can work. Uh, And also, it's time to supplicate. We have been given a number of prayer requests here, uh, seeking God's face in relation to the work in Liberia. Uh, Do pray uh, for that second transmitter that's so necessary. Uh, Pray for the folks that are there. Uh, Pray for Mark in the bookshop and Nathan and Abraham. Uh, Pray for that uh, youth council initiative that's going to take place uh, this summer. So there's little thoughts that you can pray about in relation to Liberia. Pray for Sister Joanne. Uh, Pray for the Reverend David DeCanio. Pray for the gospel as it goes out on the airwaves. Uh, We were just thinking at the close of the church, um, the Ethiopian army came to the borders of Judah and there was one million of them. And um, if you add the troops of what uh, Asa had, um, that's about the whole population of Northern Ireland, if you count them all together. And, and, and isn't that amazing? And to think here's one million people within a 20, 30 mile radius that's been reached uh, each week and each day with the good news of the gospel. So uh, there's plenty to supplicate and uh, and of course it's time to to seek the Lord. Uh, We believe as well, of course, that it's time to to sanctify ourselves before the Lord. We we need to be sensitive to our sin. We need to keep short accounts with God and I feel that that is so important. Uh, I feel it's something that's uh, sadly overlooked. The, The motto of the true Christian has to be holiness unto the Lord, holiness in life. Holiness in thought, uh, holiness in heart, uh, holiness in deed. Uh, and um, that's something I believe we've, we've lost sight of. Uh, sanctification is really an outworking of the gospel. And maybe we could add just one other thought. It's time to stand. Uh, the Bible calls us to stand fast. And if there ever is a day when we need to stand in the pew and stand in the pulpit together, preacher and people alike, and take on heart the the Lord's cause, thinking of the Lord's honor and the Lord's name, then it's an hour, day, and generation. Um, The Lord hasn't called angels. 
the Lord has chosen us and saved us that we might serve him, that we might call on his name, that we might sanctify ourselves and separate ourselves unto the Lord, that we might stand for his honor and for his glory. Brethren, and that includes the sisters, the time is short. And these are the things that we need to put in order uh, before the day of the Lord comes. And I commend them to you, and I commend this report of our sister at this time. We're going to...